Hi, this is Mike Delt with the Relax Back UK show on UK Health Radio, your global real feel-good radio station. On the Relax Back UK show, we explore all kinds of health topics, so keep listening and enjoy the ride. Hi, and thank you for joining me on the Relax Back UK show this week. The first topic is high blood pressure. High blood pressure is a killer. It's a silent killer because it leads to heart attack, heart failure, stroke, vascular disease, vascular dementia, chronic kidney disease, many of which are all very feared health conditions. Sounds like it's worth avoiding if you can. And Dr. Pauline Swift, a consultant nephrologist, tells us exactly what it is, what it can do to you, and more importantly, how to avoid it. Then Anna Gray is a nutritionist. We find out what that is exactly and talk about some of the odd advice you can stumble across on the internet, including this. We have our own detox system. We don't need any support for that other than what we eat. Um, and actually to take a pill to do that, um, you see with all these juices and things like that. But I would, I would always, always avoid things that are a kind of magic pill and quick fix. So please do stay tuned for a great show. Thank you. Past listeners to this show will know that I like to keep things as simple if I can, because actually, let's face it, it kind of suits me. Uh, so my first question to Dr. Pauline Swift about uh, blood pressure was, was just the most simplest. Back to basics. What is blood pressure anyway? So um, your blood pressure is the pressure, if, if, if we were to put a measuring cannula into one of your arteries that, and we measured, the, it is literally a pressure like the inside of a tire, right? So, but, right. but, but clearly we're not going to put a cannula uh, uh, into somebody's artery, but what we do do is we wrap a cuff around the upper arm and then measure the pressure that is within the blood vessels. And there's two numbers so when the heart beats, it generates a high pressure, but then there needs to be a certain pressure within the tire or the blood vessel to maintain the blood perfusion over the body, right? So you have right. the top level, which is the systolic, and the bottom level, which is the maintenance pressure. And when the heart beats, okay. your blood pressure goes up. So that's the systolic and the diastolic blood pressure. So it's the pressure within your blood, your blood vessels. That's right. And, that, and so that's why there are two figures associated with it, a higher one and a lower one. All right. So having lots of blood pumping around your body is a good thing. So right. if you've got a bit of high blood pressure, you know, more blood has been pumped around. Uh, why, why is high blood pressure a bad thing? So uh, that's an interesting idea that more blood, the, the same amount of blood is being pumped around, but it's just at a higher pressure. And our organs are quite precious things I would say number one is the brain is a very precious organ the heart the kidneys and if your organs are exposed to high blood pressure constantly every day then it causes organ damage in particular high blood pressure is a killer it's a silent killer because it leads to heart attack heart failure stroke vascular disease vascular dementia chronic kidney disease, many of which are all very feared health conditions. And, and with blood right. pressure being such a major contributor, you know, it, 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 
it, it's it's vital that we control things sort of at the bottom level, basically. All right, we'll, we'll come on to all the problems associated with high blood pressure, but what causes it? I mean, I, I, I've got high blood pressure. I'm on pills for it. Um, okay. Yeah, when I found out at the time, I, I, I was pretty healthy. Actually, I'd just done a half marathon. I was relatively proud of myself. And then I found out, actually, <laughs> I got high blood pressure. So what causes it? And, more, well, more to the point, why have I got it? <laughs> That's a really good question. So, so we don't usually look for a cause. We call it essential hypertension, which is a terrible name, meaning that there's no obvious secondary cause for it. It runs in families, so it, but it's not just one gene. It's polygenetic and it's environmental. So now this is no 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 no, dis, no disparaging you, but high our as a population, our blood pressure is going up, our weight is going up, our risk of diabetes is going up, and that is because as humans we're not meant to be eating processed foods, too much of those processed foods, and we weren't meant to be doing desk jobs working from home, right? So we don't do enough. We don't do enough exercise and we don't have a healthy diet. So right. well, interestingly, the, the, so the polar explorers, in order to have enough calories to get to the North Pole, had to eat butter to maintain their caloric intake to do this incredibly long journey. And at the end of that, their blood pressure was low and their cholesterol was low. So there's something about how much we use and what we put in. And it has okay. to be fit for purpose. So part... I mean, I would admit to you, I am a bit fat, all right? I, you don't look at me and think, oh, my goodness, he's huge. But I am a bit fatter than I should be, for sure. Um, but other than that, as I say, pretty healthy. So, yeah, I, I, can, I can blame my genetics to some extent, can I? Yes, you can blame your genetics, but, but I, 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 it, it probably is predominantly environmental, though, really, to be honest. If you go into evolutionary populations like in the middle of the Amazon forest and you measure the blood pressure of the, um, the, the, the tribal populations there, their blood pressure is like 90 over 60. It's really low and they're very slim and very thin. And, and, and if you translocate those populations into Western world, they become obese quite quickly um, and blood pressure goes up. So right. it's a combination of genetics and uh, and our environment, I would say. All right. The, the other thing which I'm quite keen to sort of touch on is that I found this out, the fact that I had high blood pressure, because, you know, I felt fine. I'd just done a half marathon, kind of by accident. Um, yeah. I really did. I was I, I was yeah. at one of those, uh, uh, it, it was like a... Uh, a sales event and there was one person who who was selling a find out your, the health of your staff you know find your blood pressure your weight and all that sort of thing so I thought oh this is fun I'll have a go and he looked at the results he said look you need to do something about this because this is not good and you know and the next week I made the point with, with the GP etc but the point is I found that by accident so I'm thinking there must be a lot of people like me Exactly right. So that's why it's labelled the, the, one of the silent killers. There are no signs, no symptoms, nothing, right? Um, 
so you need to present to your GP or some sort of health service to have your blood pressure measured. And, and then it's just done opportunely in the healthcare settings. And then NHS England and, and the, the other, the, you know, the Scottish and Welsh uh, uh, similar health boards uh, decided, well, we need to do an over 40 health check. But not everyone goes to that an over 50 health check and, and et cetera, et cetera. So, so there's this thing about actually we need to be more proactive about seeking out people that are at risk of having high blood pressure. And as you say, you've got no risk factors. So why would you go and have fat, blood pressure? But... Okay, so you're a bit fat. We're all a bit fat is what I would say. Um, <laughs> <laughs> every last one of us, even the ones that think we're slim. Uh, so so that Know Your Numbers campaign is, you know, it's backed by so many health agencies because we've year after year said, no, actually, you need to go out and have your blood pressure. You know, we need to be be more structured about how we get people to present to have their blood pressures measured. Um, okay. So Know Your Number campaign is really trying to get out there the message that no matter what, if you're over 30, you should have your blood pressure measured. Um, we, the charity Blood Pressure UK did a poll um, in in the the preceding few months to this week, and sixty percent of people that are in their thirties to fifties have not not ever had their blood pressure measured, and they could. Be right, sitting... So if someone's listening to this, and it's yeah. like put the fear of God into them, and they're thinking, "All right, right I'm going to go and get it checked." What what can they do tomorrow? Right. How can they so get it done? Tomorrow they can. Tomorrow they can go. Some a lot of community pharmacists are now doing blood pressure measuring services. You can go to your GP. Um, uh, but what 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 we are trying to say to people is, if you think you've got a risk factor, if you're over thirty, if there's a family history, if you're overweight, if if you just think you should have your blood pressure measured, which you should if you're over thirty. You can go and buy a machine. You can buy one online. You can go to your chemist and buy one. We, we would say have your blood pressure, ha make sure your machine's validated. And the British and Irish Hypertension Society have a long list of validated blood pressure machines. Don't go out and buy something that's not validated. Don't go and buy some crazy thing that goes on your thumb and says it can measure your blood pressure because it can't. The um, smartphones have apps. That, that cannot measure your blood pressure, although they purport that they can, they can't. You need to have something either around your arm or around your wrist to measure your blood pressure. So get a validated machine, and then you can use lots of apps. So mybloodpressure.co.uk, you can put in your blood pressure into any of the apps, um, and then they will say what you need to do. So we suggest that you go see your GP. We suggest that you lose some weight. We suggest that you have a much healthier diet. You can cut down on your salt intake. You can increase your fruit and vegetable intake. Wow. You know, but so so it need, it does need to be reported into somebody if it's high. But and the apps are quite good for sort of suggesting, you know, when when you should seek medical attention for when your blood pressure measurements are too All right, high. I get it. So you, you mentioned you can you know you can buy a blood pressure measuring device. But also you can go into a pharmacy. Now, if you go to a pharmacy and they offer that service, is it free? Yeah, absolutely free. Absolutely free. OK, so in the first instance, in, in some respects, you'd be crazy kind of not to take them up on the offer. 
Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's just operate. So just go into your pharmacy. If they don't do a blood pressure measuring service, ask who does in the local area, you know, right. so, uh, or make it make an appointment to see your GP nurse. They right. can measure it for you. So that is that, that's the bottom line is you can go to your GP. But but you, there are there are other ways. Of course. Yeah. Well, actually. So you mentioned you, you can buy uh, these machines. I actually bought one of these machines. And I, I've, I've almost become obsessed. You know, at the end of the day, I sit down, get the thing out. I, you know, my family's rolling their eyes. Oh, here dad goes again. Um, but I, I keep an eye on it. And um, so I, I think that's good. I think that's good. And I don't know if you use the apps to, to track in. I would I'd just go into one of them. Go into Blood Pressure UK. Um, is, that's our charity. They've got lots of information on what you can do. If you go into mybloodpressure.co.uk, it'll give you a It'll give you lots of tips to maintain a healthy heart. I mean, the other thing to say is, you know somebody. We all know somebody with high blood pressure, right? One in three adults has high blood pressure. Many of them will have a blood pressure machine. So you can borrow. Sure. Beg, steal and borrow, but I don't recommend the stealing. <laughs> so actually, you partly answered a question there. I was going to ask almost an impossible question. How many people do you think could be walking around with high blood pressure and not knowing it, like I was not so long ago? Rather too many is the answer to that for sure. So one in three adults um, uh, have high blood pressure, and which is a lot, right? It is the leading cause of cardiovascular disease and death. Is the leading cause of in the Western world, um, healthcare morbidity and mortality. And, and uh, we're just not doing enough to tackle it at the roots, you know, of, of encouraging people to have their blood pressure measured. All right. Well, we, we've spoken a bit about what it is, how to get it checked. What about the really serious stuff of actually what high blood pressure is going to do to you? You, you mentioned right. it just then, but, you know, drive it home. Put, put the fear of God into us all. Oh dear, dear, dear. You make me feel mean now. Um, oh, it's the so, truth, isn't it? Yeah, so number one, it, it's it's a, a major cause of death in the UK and worldwide. So, uh, and the causes of death tend to be cardiovascular in origin, stroke, heart attacks, heart failure. Heart failure being a really feared and increasingly common health condition caused by high blood pressure and heart attacks. What's the difference because, between a heart attack and heart failure? So a heart attack is where the blood supply to the heart gets blocked by by narrowing of a blood vessel and then a, you, a, a an atheromatous plaque ruptures and the blood supply stops. All right. So that part of the heart gets no blood, you get chest pain, have a heart attack. A stroke is where the blood supply to the brain blocks or bleeds and you have a stroke. The leading cause of stroke is high blood pressure. Um, heart attack is high cholesterol, high blood pressure and smoking. So, you know, the three sort of risk factors for heart attack. Heart failure is when the heart muscle doesn't pump properly. So if you've had heart attacks, it's not going to pump properly. But even if you just have you know, a heart that's working so hard to pump out pressure against a high, high pressure system, it will eventually get tired. The muscle will initially get larger and then it will fail. So heart failure, you don't get 
you then don't get perfusion to the rest of the body and it makes you extremely fatigued and 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 the that then your risk of mortality with heart failure goes up significantly. So, so you, you won't survive for too many years with very severe heart failure. Okay. All right. This, this is serious stuff here, isn't it? Really? Yeah, it's serious stuff. Absolutely. It's also one of the leading causes of kidney disease, chronic kidney disease and kidney failure. Okay. <laughs> very <laughs> cheery. Yeah, very right. cheery. Sorry. Let, let, let's move on to something a bit cheerier. If you've been diagnosed with high blood pressure, yeah. you know, you can actually do something about it. So yeah, uh, we, we touched on them a little bit, but you know, what, what can you do? So diet is number one, I would say, change your diet, look and see how, how you can get back to a more evolutionary type diet, do everything that you can to avoid processed foods, because processed food is full of salt, fat and sugar, and that triumvirate is such a toxic, uh, it, it's it's toxic to our cardiovascular system, uh, uh, raising your risk of diabetes, weight gain and high blood pressure. So cut out processed foods. And I'm very pleased to see that that really hit the medium majorly in the last year, uh, the dangers of, of processed food. We were never meant to be dealing with this type of salt. Salt was introduced to, you know, because we didn't have refrigeration and it kept food for a bit longer. There is no requirement now for us to be eating that type of salt. So that, that's not, public enemy number one is cut it out. And then think about how you can do things much more healthily. So we don't always want to be saying, hey, don't do this, don't do that, but just take more positive steps. So have a lovely healthy diet, more of a Mediterranean type thing with plenty of fresh fruit and vegetables and 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 chicken fish whatever you know but but avoid the processed so processed foods and salt avoidance high fruit and vegetable intake lose weight really even if you're even if you're like you seemingly slim but a bit overweight try and lose a bit of weight um, and take up some exercise and, and you can do any type of exercise. You can do aerobic exercise, but more recently it's hit the, hit the headlines saying that actually isometric exercise is also really good for high, high blood pressure. So you can do wall squats, you can go to the gym and press weights, you can do the plank, which is very, very effective for lowering blood pressure. Um, okay. Yeah, so doing plank and getting your core strength is 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 really effective for blood pressure lowering. Yeah, and that's more to come on that really. I think in the next few years in terms of research. So there's right. plenty of stuff we can be doing to to and 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 of course I absolutely have to say you mustn't smoke. You mustn't smoke. There's no anyone with high blood pressure should give up smoking. All right. Well, so there's lots of things there. So I. I... You know, I, I like to think I do a fair few of those, but I am also on on drugs. Yeah. So the the GP has has uh, given me uh, a daily pill, and uh, that actually that that seems to be working. Um, really? My my you know my blood pressure is I mean it, I would like it to be lower, but it it, it is a lot better now. Um, there are lots of different drugs, aren't there for that? Yeah. Does, there does are. anyone know which one's best? Well, there's been there's been a lot, a lot of work in the last ten years to look at which is which which drugs are best in terms of preventing cardiovascular disease, that cardiovascular death, heart attack, stroke, all of the things we've discussed. Um, 
and the the the, the there was a big trial done in the UK and and in Scandinavia called the Ascot trial, um, run by um many of my senior colleagues, um, and, and that showed that the, the amylodipine and the ACE inhibitors are better than the old-fashioned drugs, being the beta blockers and stuff like that. So the, 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 there's an, an algorithm that was developed by um, British Hypertension Society or the British and Irish Hypertension Society, now taken up by NICE, which is the National Institute of uh, uh, Clinical uh, Excellence, it's not that it's changed it's changed its name yeah, it has changed its name i can't remember yeah. what it is but yeah, we all know what you mean of health whatever nice algorithm that the gps all use we all use for treating blood pressure so to start with either a calcium channel blocker or an ace inhibitor or angiotensin receptor blocker and then algorithmically you you sort of combine a you combine the first two and then you add a third one and then you add a fourth one because some people have very difficult to treat hypertension or high blood pressure some people right. it's really easy one drug other people we, we need to work a bit harder to get blood pressure down right i'm on the one drug it's called losartum and i think it's quite a small dose 50 milligrams and very good i, I don't know do, do any of these have any side effects actually because I, I, well, I, I started off with one drug and it gave me a real horrible dry cough Okay. That's the ACE inhibitors and the SARTANs are the angiotensin receptor blockers. So I, I, I don't know how technical you want me to get, but these are excellent drugs and we would recommend them as first line treatment. Um, one of the side effects of the ACE inhibitors and the ACE inhibitors are ramipril, um, lisinopril, anything ending with april is an ACE inhibitor. They're absolutely great, but in some people they cause a dry cough. Um, and, and so we switch immediately to the SARTANs, the angiotensin receptor blockers, which are equally fantastic and they have the least side effect profile of all the antihypertensive drugs. So, in fact, you, you, you know, there's some pleiotropic effects that sh show that they're, they're quite good for anti-aging and all sorts of wonderful stuff. So the SARTANs are very good drugs with a very low side effect profile and that's what I would want first line. Um, all right, I like I like the sound of that. Can you yeah. can you give examples of any other side effects that there might be? So we, I had this coughing thing. What what other sort of things do people experience? So with 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 the ACE inhibitors and angiotensin receptor blockers, really not really genuinely not many side effects. Um, erectile dysfunction is a thing that we you, you know so difficult to get at. Getting and maintaining an erection is something that people worry about with with uh, antihypertensive drugs, but they were really the, the more slightly old-fashioned ones. Like, with, um, so not not really now. The calcium channel blockers are the other main sort of main class of drugs that we use to treat high blood pressure, um, and the, they generally have very low side effect profile, very safe. They've been used for thirty to forty years. Um, to treat high blood pressure very effectively, but they occasionally can cause a bit of swelling in the ankles and sometimes swelling in the gums. And if that happens, then we need to switch to another one. So the, 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 the message is to, to go with something that suits you because these are drugs that we're using to prevent diseases, right? Yeah. So, so it has to be something that you can tolerate, that you don't really notice. It doesn't impact on your life in any way. It doesn't cause very low blood pressure. So we have to get the dose right. 
and we have to, you know, so it has to be titrated properly. And that's where I think the apps are quite good because what I would like to see personally is, is patients being more in control of their blood pressure. So you going in, using your app, you know, mybloodpressure.co.uk, go in and say, actually, it's not quite well enough controlled. It's quite good in the morning, but it's not that great in the night. Maybe I need a longer acting agent or I'm getting too dizzy in the morning. Maybe I need to take it at night time. So, the, you know, there's nuances for the drugs and the drug classes. The majority really don't have side effects, but some people do have side effects. And if they do, then we switch classes. And the other right. major class of drugs is the diuretic, um, which gets rid of salt and water. Um, and they're very, very effective blood pressure lowering drugs. Okay, so it's good to know that there are very effective drugs to be done. We can also do a lot by changing our lifestyle. But what I would say about the drugs, can I just make one point about the drugs, is even if you're on drugs, if you have a really, if you're on your Losartan, for example, that you're on, and you have a really high salt diet, that Losartan's not going to work. Right. It will be much less effective if you've got a high salt diet. I and mean, you can try it, try it yourself at home. Yeah. Have a big pizza or a takeaway, and then you know measure your blood pressure the next day. It will be higher. So, so using the combination of a low salt diet. And your your medication is is much more effective, and that will stop you hopefully going on to two drugs. Okay, all right. Now th this this sounds like very good advice. I have done the odd experiment myself actually, but it's mm. mainly to do uh, with intake of alcohol because I you know I'm, I'm not a big boozer, but I I do like the odd glass of wine occasionally. Yeah. And I have noticed. I don't know if this is a, a real cause and effect, or I've just noticed if I have you know, a few glasses of wine one day, my blood pressure seems to be higher the next. Yeah. Is that, yeah. Is that likely? Yes, that's that's entirely. And the heavier drinkers uh, tend to have much higher, more difficult blood pressure to control. But it, 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 yeah, so avoidance of alcohol, drinking within the limits is is definitely. Yeah. There, there's a lot of stuff coming out now saying, actually, there's no such thing as, you know, alcohol being good for you there's no really good amount but of course we so dr swift was kind of cut off in her prime then apologies to her and and to you uh, it wasn't me honest i wasn't doing the recording that was someone else's uh, mistake so let me sum up uh, kind of uh, what she was saying get your blood pressure checked if at all possible if you're worried go and see your gp and uh, as ever the nhs website is of course a great source of more information. So next up it's Anna Gray and she's a nutritionist and we spoke about lots of things actually but we kind of majored on some of the rather odd pseudo-scientific stuff uh, that you can hear that kind of passes as uh, nutritional advice. Uh, so it was great show, really good uh, talking to her. Uh, however my first question to her was what is the difference between a nutritionist and a dietitian? So we've had slightly different training. So dietitians work within the NHS and they work with individuals with who are um, sick and are on medications. And so they are really helping people through their illness um, to to eat the right foods. So that's generally what a dietitian does. Um, and a nutritional therapist or a nutritionist works with um, people who potentially have chronic illnesses, but aren't seeing, you know, aren't, aren't potentially seeing a doctor with that. But we help people to optimize their nutrition, to live healthier lives, 
and um, can advise on what foods to eat and what foods to avoid um, day to day to either improve things within their daily life, such as um, their performance, sports performance or performance at work or to help them lose weight or to deal with symptoms of disease. So we try and look at the root causes of a, of a disease um, to really try and change the change the the way that the body reacts to them um so we don't nutritionists don't diagnose um that's for a, a doctor to do um but we work with individuals who are looking to improve what they eat and how they eat to okay. improve their health and lifestyle right. <clears throat> and some of you some of you are accredited you what, yep. what what body are you accredited with so I'm accredited with, uh, so the Nourishing Well um, is accredited with BANT, which is the British Association for Nutrition and Lifestyle Medicine. And I'm also registered with the Complementary and Natural Healthcare Council, which is a government okay. body which regulates um, nutritional therapists. And that means that I have to, um, every year I have to undergo additional training and research for my own, um, for the, the areas that I'm interested in, to, in order to actually keep my practice up to date and to ensure that I'm practicing safely um, and within regulations. And, and presumably there's initially there's some barriers to get over to, to join as well. Well, you have to be you have to be qualified. <laughs> you have to do to study. So I studied for four years in order to get my qualification um, to be a nutritional therapist. Yes. Very good. All right. Thank you. I think that's all, always worth pointing out. And just one final thing, but, but forgive me, is that I think this is quite important. I could call myself a nutritionist this afternoon and charge people to give them advice. They'd be crazy to take it, obviously, but I could do that um, and I wouldn't break any laws. So no, at the moment, you yeah. wouldn't. unfortunately, the, nutrition, the, the title nutritionist is not a protected title at the moment. The title of a dietitian is, um, but not, we, we are working, um, the bodies that we're accredited with are working to get that title actually protected so that people who have actually qualified and are registered are, would be the only ones to be able to use that title. But yes, you are right. Anybody can actually do an online course and call themselves um, a nutritionist. So I would advise anybody who is thinking of working with a nutritional therapist to go either to BANT or to the CNHC and do a search for accredited uh, nutritional therapist and the nourishing well is an accredited um, body within that's, that sounds like good advice all right on on to the topic of the day yes um what's the craziest thing you've come across advertised online to help people lose weight <sighs> well any supplement i think i would say um supplements there, there is no magic pill if somebody had a magic pill to help people lose weight they would be millionaires they wouldn't i, I mean certainly me yeah. sitting, talking to you now <laughs> um okay so any pill that uh, any is... pill, yes i think okay. it, 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 med, medicines and there are medicines that are that are being touted at the moment for losing weight and they actually are being prescribed but they're being prescribed to very particular groups of, of patients who have diabetes um, and anyone else who wants to lose weight uh, and actually that those medications are, are actually for the disease itself not for losing weight they have a side effect that um, people aren't generally losing weight but the, unless you have been prescribed something um, buying a pill off the internet um, buying a pill in your pharmacy will not help you lose weight might even do some damage it might well do. And actually, yes, the, the drugs that are um, prescribed um, for diabetes, if you are not a diabetic, then they will cause you well, cause you harm and not 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 suitable. What's the injection that's been for the, in, 
a few yeah. months ago it came out is, is that the one you're talking about that's the one i'm talking about yes that's the one i'm talking about and it is a it is a a drug which works on um i think called a glucon glucagon like peptide um it it binds to the receptor and it increases insulin secretion if you do not have an issue with insulin and if you're not a diagnosed diabetic di- di- diagnosed with diabetes then that will um, inc- increase insulin, which you do not want to happen. It will you will end up feeling dizzy, you will end up feeling nauseous, and you could end up in hospital. Um, and actually, it could kill you. So avoid. Well, the point is, in, in, it also suppresses appetite, which is why some it people does. Well, yes, it, what it yeah, what it does is slow gastric emptying. Um, so that makes makes you feel fuller for longer. But actually, we can do that same thing with foods. We can make ourselves feel fuller for longer with the choice of foods that we make. So actually, taking a more natural approach and, and working with what you put on your plate can actually help you feel this with the same thing. It'll help you feel fuller for longer. So, for example, if you eat protein with every meal, you will feel fuller for longer. You will not be reaching for snacks in between meals. Um, it will keep you what we call sati- satiated. Um, yeah. And um, we'll also be doing your body some good because we all need protein okay. to build, to right, build we'll, ourselves. We'll, we'll come back to some of the sensible things later mm. if we've got time. Yeah. Let's let's think about some of the kind of slightly different, slightly peculiar things. Um, I Just before this chat, I, 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 I did a bit of Googling around, right? and I, I Googled, how to detox your body and i got 380 million hits <laughs> now why so much interest when you know we're all I, I've, I've got a liver and kidneys and stuff yeah, it does exactly. that for me why yeah. why do people get so excited about detoxing their body um i think it's a it's a it's a, it's a human nature isn't it to jump onto something that is a quick fix and and could be you know a simple you know let me take a pill rather than than uh, doing it for us, doing it myself. No, you're right. We we have a detoxification system um, within us, and our liver and kidneys are, are that de- detoxification system. Our digestive system is our de- detoxification system. It does need particular foods and nutrients to keep it going, um, and we can overload it with with toxins if we are eating and drinking the wrong things. So I think what we need to do, um, de- you know we have our own detox system we don't need any support for that other than what we eat um and actually to take a pill to do that um you see with all these juices and things like that but i would i would always always avoid things that are a kind of magic pill and quick fix like that. have you ever actually asked someone who's, who's peddling a detox give me the name of at least one of the toxins that it's going to get rid of have you ever tried I that actually i haven't it's no fun it would be it would be good would be good to actually dive in and see what scientific knowledge they have. <laughs> gen, 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 generally speaking, I, I, I suspect it, it's it's very little. <laughs> I, I mean, if, if if someone calls themselves uh, a, a doctor or a nutritionist, and then in the next sentence they try and sell you something mm. like take this pill, that's a bit of a red flag in my experience. Yes, yes, it is. Okay, so we got detoxing. Generally yeah. speaking, um, a red flag in itself. Um, what else have you come across? Or uh, what about this one? This is this is another um, particular favourite of mine. Um, pH high or alkaline type water. Oh yes, our What's that about? That, that's a complete that's a complete red herring. Um, so our our digestive system 
is um, has various different pHs from the mouth down to the to the anus, um, so all the way through the gut, um, and they are set um, set levels in order to actually help digest particular types of food. So um, the pH in the mouth helps to break down some carbohydrates, and the pH in the stomach helps to break down some proteins. It's all preset. Um, our body is a unique and totally amazing system, and actually does all of this for us. And by wow. eating anything that goes into our mouth at a particular pH, as these, you know, suggested um, wonder, wonder drinks do, um, will immediately be, be taken over by the actual integral pH of our mouth and our digestive system. Right. So the pH of the stomach is it's very acidic. Yes. What, what, actually, what, what's the, um, the pH of the mouth generally? Do you know, you've asked me that and I don't know what the pH of the mouth is. Um, okay. <laughs> it's a, it's... I, I hadn't realized, because I, you know, from doing my, O level as it was in in those days because I'm so old uh, yeah. biology you know yeah. I, I always kind of knew that the the stomach is acidic but I, I I hadn't I didn't know that this process starts in the mouth yes so it does so you know when when we chew we release saliva and that saliva has got um will will actually determine the pH of the of the mouth okay all right so but anyway by the time you glug this water and it gets into your stomach which is very acid any alkaline yeah. is going to disappear anyway yeah yes and in fact if if i would imagine if the ph of your stomach changes you're probably very very ill yes yes um yeah i mean your stomach is 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 a contain you know it's, with, it's deep within us um and although it is it is obviously attached to the outside world through your mouth um the ph gets um more acidic the more you go down through the digestive system by the time you reach your stomach it is a very it's a very acidic environment um and and that is there for a, a, it's there for a reason so yeah it's um it's all very carefully controlled our, our digestive system a good design it is it's a brilliant design i mean our bodies are amazing <laughs> um i want to just move on to another one on, on on this list of uh kind of odd uh, slightly pseudo pseudoscientific things. This one of uh, ingredients. Don't eat anything uh, or food with more than five ingredients. Now, my, yeah. my wife's family is from Mumbai. And if I ate anything with less than five ingredients, I wouldn't eat anything because, you know, there, there's often there just more than five spices. Yeah. I, a better way to put that is um, is, is don't, don't eat anything that you don't recognise the name of. Um, if If you go into a supermarket and go down the aisles that are full of processed foods. Um, the processed foods are the ones that are wrapped in cellophane. They're wrapped in plastic. Um, and if you did turn them over, you would have a whole series of ingredients on the back that you wouldn't be able to pronounce. Um, and they are things, they're stabilizers, um, they're preservatives, and they are there for a reason because um, as, as we have developed as a, as a, in, in, an industrial nation we wanted to be able to actually transport our food over longer distances um and and it needs to be stable in order to do that but um actually what's better for our bodies to eat is natural whole foods and put in as many as you want in fact i would you know, we advocate eating a variety of fruit and vegetables um per week and actually we want to have a huge variety in each meal but a variety of natural products right yes I think in the past, I've heard like a number of different uh, kind of sources, natural sources for your food you should try and aim for. Have you come across this? No, I haven't. What kind um, of sources? 
and I and I can't remember what the number was, but I remember thinking it's really high. So diff, different uh, sources or different plants, actually. I, I, oh, different plants. I thought you meant sources as in sources to pour over your food. Um, so, no, 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 sorry. <laughs> Different sources. So, uh, well, what I try and get with my clients um, at the Nourishing Well, um, I try and um, put them on a challenge so that to get 50 different fruits and vegetable or plant sources per week. So that is obviously vegetables. You know what your vegetables are. You know what your fruits are. But within that, herbs and spices can go in that plus legumes and pulses. So trying to get a huge variety. So everything from an avocado to an asparagus to some bok choy or um, I have bananas, but also some of your herbs and spices, your turmerics and your cinnamons, um, cloves, whatever it might be, um, along with some lentils and some beans, but get a variety across the week. Yeah. Because our gut microbiome in order to actually feed our friendly bacteria who are actually helping our bodies to to be health stay healthy they really like to have a diversity of um plant matter um because they like the fiber from the the, the plant matter so they they like to have a different variety they like to have you know different things every day so um it's good to feed them different things every day and keep them happy so but 50 is a, is a, is a number to aim for that's, that's what that's i want it is quite it is quite high but if you think about if you're putting in um you say you're, if you're putting in a curry you're going to have probably about six different spices in in yeah. a curry you'll have some onions you'll have some tomatoes maybe you'll um maybe have some um some lentils in there as well so you've already yeah. got really so we're ten. up to 10 pretty yeah. much aren't we yeah yeah and yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe it's not 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 so uh, difficult. And then in the morning, if you have some porridge, put some seeds on your porridge. Put some chia seeds or some flax seeds on your porridge in the morning. Yeah. So you've got your oats and you've got two seeds on there as well. Okay, right. We, we we've spoken about some of the sort of crazy things that you yeah. come across. What about some of the positive things? I I must admit, I had a little look on your your website. I was doing a bit of uh, stalking, a bit of digital yeah. stalking of you, and you say you 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 know you like to keep up with the latest. Um, uh, developments in mm-hmm. scientific developments and what have you so what's the latest kind of positive thing that you've heard or the latest uh, scientific paper that you've read that's uh, new and exciting well there's some really really good positive news um about brain health and dementia and that's one of the things that i'm really interested in or well, brain health generally so um mental health and brain health and um trying to help people improve their performance is what i at the nourishing world that's what i, I really am interested in and um there's some really, really good studies about omega-3 and vitamin B, B vitamins. And if you can increase the amount of omega-3 that you are taking, and omega-3 you get from a variety of sources, the most common that you'd know is fish sources. So mm-hmm. fish like this. We, we all know fish is brain food. Fish is brain food, yeah. Um, and that actually helps. Our, I mean, our brain is majority made up of fat, and actually fat and water is, is the main composition of our brain. And actually the, the cell walls are all made up of omega-3 throughout our body. And so if we can actually help help our brain um, function by actually keeping its structure nice and, nice and healthy. And uh, the B vitamins, what they found in a study is that um, – those people who had a good level of B vitamins who were then eating and being supplemented with omega-3s had the best reduction in um, improvement in cognitive scores and um, reduction in development of um, mild cognitive impairment. So it, it really ha- can have a massive impact on our brain health. 
And another study, um, which was done actually it was a few years ago, but they still they, they they started a few years ago, and they still they keep coming up with updates of the study, so they're still following people. Um, it's the Smiles trial, um, and that was looking at depression scores with um, a variety of basically following a, what we call a Mediterranean diet, but a traditional Mediterranean diet. So less of the pizza and pasta and more of the, the big, you know, lots of fruits and vegetables and, you know, the, the rainbow of foods on your plate, along with omega-3s. Um, and that was shown to reduce depression scores in um, in people with really quite major depression. So there's some really impactful things that you can do with food just by making the right choices. All right. Uh, so uh, they, they, these are uh, published papers, I think, if this sounds yes. right. Okay. Yes, excellent. Sounds like the sort of thing people might like to follow up and have a look at. Yes. So the, um, the, the, the dementia one, if you look up, actually, there's a there's an online um, site called um, Food for the Brain. And that's um, Patrick Holford is a, as part of that. And that's a really good one to look at. And you can join their, their little mini study online. Okay. And then the, the depression study is the SMILES trial. That's a name, that's a name I've come across um, previously. Uh, certainly. Um, OK. Interesting. What what led you to um, want to do this as a as a job? Well, um, so I've worked I've worked in healthcare my whole life. Um, I started uh, uh, training as a nurse um, back in the nineties, and um, then I worked with, in healthcare communications for um, many many years, working with healthcare companies and pharmaceutical companies. And then I actually got quite ill a few years ago. I got bitten by a tick and developed Lyme disease. And as a result of that, I became quite chronically ill. Um, I developed an autoimmune condition and was put on a number of medications. And at one point I was taking probably about 10 medications a day and still wasn't able cool. to do what I used All right, to So you weren't just a bit ill, you were actually... I was actually quite ill. And before that, I was actually, I did a lot of triathlons and, and completed Ironman triathlons. So I was incredibly fit. And I thought I was doing quite a good job with my food. Um, but the more I delved into it when I became sick, um, the more I found that I could improve my own diet through just little tweaks uh, here and there um, over time. And over time, I managed to come off all of my medications and I have managed to um, put basically put my autoimmune condition into remission, um, which is quite staggering. And my my consultant's very pleased with me for that. Um, but that is through following a, a really, you know, I think some some would say it's um, it's quite. I'm, I, I'm not, I'm not relig relig religious about it. Um, I do. I, I live by the eighty twenty rule. So eighty percent of the time, I'm trying to follow a very good diet, and twenty percent of the time, I, I I do whatever I like. You're on beer so, and pizza. Yeah, I, I eat pizza every week, but I just make it myself. So. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I drink alcohol. You know, I I'm, I don't restrict myself. Um, it's just that 80% of the time I try and follow a very decent diet so that that would keep me healthy. And that led me to actually study myself. Um, and so I went back to college and I studied for four years to, to become a nutritional therapist to help other people because I saw the power in what it can do for myself. So that's where the nourishing well started. Excellent. Yeah. All right. Well, that's, that's, there's a great story there. If people are listening to this and thinking, all right, maybe I'd like to find out a bit more about what Anna gets up to. Um, mm -hmm. What's a good resource i'm assuming you've got well i know you've had a yeah, website i've yeah, seen that um, what is it um my website is .co.uk. i'm also on instagram and on facebook if people want to find me there excellent Anna, thank you very much indeed um thank for you. chatting much appreciated thank you very much it's been a pleasure Thank you very much indeed to my guests on this week's show and they were Dr Pauline Swift, consultant nephrologist, talking all about blood pressure and then it was Anna Gray, 
a nutritionist and we were talking about some of the kind of slightly more peculiar nutrition advice you uh, might, might find, uh, well, anywhere really, but certainly on the internet. Uh, a big thank you to you for listening. And as ever, have a healthy week. Until next week. Thanks for listening to the Relax Back UK show. Join me, Mike Dilk, again next week for more fascinating interviews and chat. If you're listening to the podcast version, please subscribe, like, and share it with your family and friends. And have a healthy week. Until next week.